Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers. I am your host, Daniel Nelson, and today, as we continue our look at Psalm chapter 1, we're going to be looking at the way of wickedness. So today's readings are coming from the Christian Standard Bible. I encourage you to open your Bible as we study, and the passage reads like this. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. So, before we dive in, I I do want to share with you, I, I enjoy when I'm able to give you guys, you know, some insight into how this podcast is made. And so what I'm actually doing is I'm thinking about trying a new method where when I prepare notes, I'll prepare half of the one I'm going to do today and then half of what I'm going to do tomorrow. Because sometimes, you know, it's kind of hard, like, because I'm a senior in high school, so I suffer from a condition called senioritis. And for those who haven't been in high school in a while, senioritis is where you just have lack of motivation to do anything. You know, it's it's very common. You see this all the time. And it's really just the natural tendency to be a bomb. And so <laughs> I have, so what I do is I'm trying to be smart with myself where I will put, you know, a halfway finished thing. That way, you know, I can tell myself it's okay. You've already done half of it. You've got the framework laid out. That way, which is something that really only takes two minutes, my brain is tricked into thinking that, like, the hard work has been done. So, it's, I'm trying to be smart with myself, you know. And one quick thing, this has nothing to do with the passage, but I just, it's really a, a weird thing I'm going through right now. It's how to pray about scholarships, because there's so many scholarships, and a lot of them you really don't do anything. You just apply and you hope you get drawn. And it's weird praying about that because it's like, Lord, may I get this handout? It's like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. I'm just, I just envision like God in heaven being like, you got arms and legs, get to work. But at the same time, like, there's no reason not to apply for these scholarships. I mean, it's like free money. But <laughs> that that is my piece of the day. You know, normally pastors have like a fun story that actually applies to the passage. This doesn't apply to the passage at all. So let's let's dive in. You're not here for that. So so who are the wicked? That is our first question today. Who are the wicked? The wicked is actually not defined. It's more shown like it is in the first stanza with the righteous. You know, as we go through these psalms, you're not going to see, you know, systematic theology points. You're not going to see, like, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. You know, that's an important thing, you know. But you're not going to find that in psalms. What you're going to find in psalms is, you know, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. You know, theologians especially in textbooks, oh, they hate analogies. Oh, you know, it needs to be cut and dry. But David, I actually, I don't know that David wrote this, but I love calling the psalmist David. <laughs> the psalmist loves analogies, metaphors, word pictures, because that's beauty. And you are going to remember truth in a beautiful form 
much better than in a cut and dry form. So, the wicked, you know, in the first stanza, we see that this righteous person is assumed, and in the second person, the wicked person is assumed. The wicked is actually much more broad than it is in the the righteous in the first section. And that's important because everyone who is ever born is actually born into wickedness. Wickedness is living in defiance of God and his law. And we as sinful creatures, we naturally do that. You don't have to tell a, you know, a three-year-old to kick and scream. Three-year-olds kick and scream. You don't have to tell, you know, students in middle school and high school to cheat on a test. They'll cheat on a test. You don't have to tell people to sin because they naturally do that. You have to tell them to do the right thing. You know, it's really easy for us to, in abstract, say, you know, well, humans are naturally good. And, you know, they just, you know, society makes them do all these bad stuff. And all, yeah, yeah. that's not backed up by experience. You know, there, there are very few people. I don't know of any parent who's ever said, oh, I just have this problem. My son, he's just so obedient. I can't get him to do what's wrong. I mean, if you got a child like that, good for you. But I I hate to say it, but I was not like that to my parents. My parents had to say, Daniel, come on over. And that's three spankings, you know. And then I try and run away from the spankings. And then I get more spankings. That is the natural way of humanity. That is all humans. Getting spankings and running away from more. So, all of us are born into wickedness. Living in rebellion against God is not something that just happens when we turn like eight years old or we reach some age of accountability, you know, where we were like, we were good people then, but then we sinned and, oh, you know, when you sin this time, yeah, I'm going to hold you accountable for that. There is reason that David says in Psalm 51 that we get conceived in sin. Now, does this mean, you know, that every, you know, every baby that's aborted goes to hell you know there are ways now that's a long conversation that i cannot get into here and there's a lot smarter people that have addressed this topic then yeah i'm gonna let them do that but i can tell you that god is just and believe it or not god can come up with a way of saving anyone even you know even infants even people who have not made it outside the womb God can come up with a way to save him. I I believe, you know, he is creative enough. If he can save me, he can save them. So I can't tell you, you know, because the Bible is pretty silent about it. You know, I can't tell you, you know, a concrete, all right, this is how God does it. But, you know, we have seen, you know, David, when he lost a son to a miscarriage, I forget if it was a miscarriage or if he was born for like a very short amount of time. I believe it was a miscarriage. We see that David, you know, actually says that he will see his son again. And so, presumably, David thought he was going to heaven. I mean, I I would think so. (laughs) So, we see there that that there is biblical precedent for infants going to heaven. And the question more is how and, you know, in, in what circumstances. I can't tell you, you know, because of this passage, you know, 
and this passage, every infant who dies goes to heaven. But I can promise you that God can find a way for those infants to go to heaven. And God is a just God. What is just and right will be done. And so that's just a tidbit into all being born into wickedness. And really, there is a strong call here for us to look at what happens to the wicked. The psalmist first contrasts them with the righteous man. Okay, we've seen who are wicked. Who is wicked? That is everyone who is born. If you are a human, you were at least born into wickedness. What happens to the wicked? Well, the psalmist first contrasts them with the righteous man. The wicked person does not bear fruit. What does that mean? We as humans are created with purpose, and that's to show God's glory. That's why we're made in His image. When we're in rebellion against God, we cannot function properly. When you were born, you were born not functioning properly. You're like, now hold up. But that is because of original sin. We have inherited all the way down from Adam. We have inherited sin. Sin is in our blood. It's not a good situation. And you may be like, that's not fair. We were born in sin. Have you ever chosen sin? I, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be all judgy or all that, but I promise you, you've chosen sin. There is no excuse for anyone. This is not like people are being pushed into hell against their will. People are not choosing God. You have this offer. Paul says the heavens, you know, you can look around. Look at the earth. It screams of a creator. There is no excuse for people going to hell. It's really sad. This is a sad state that humanity is in. When we're in rebellion against God, we can't function properly. We're like a tree that doesn't bear fruit or a car that doesn't run or a chicken that doesn't lay eggs. That we also see that the wicked are blown away. Apart from God and his word, there's not a lot of sure things in this life. All of world history attests to the fact that there are no sure things. Even the greatest empire in world history, the Roman Empire, couldn't keep from collapsing. There's nothing better than being in a crisis and just clinging to God's word. Because that's all you have left. The misery of the wicked does not stop on this side of eternity, though. Because just taking a look at the world, it looks like the wicked have it made. From a human perspective, who's to stop you from lying on your tax forms or stealing a little here and a little there? Or, you know, looking at a little bit of pornography. Just, you know, your spouse won't see it. Paul actually alludes to the fact that Christians have worse lives than their worldly counterparts. He says that there, if there's no resurrection then Christians are most to be pitied of anyone. If there's no hope in this, in the afterlife anyways, why not just party it up? Christians are investing in eternity, and if there's no eternity, all that investment is for nothing. Each man, however, knows that there comes a day and time when we will be held accountable for what we've done. We have an inner sense of the fact that there is justice and that there will be a reckoning for sins. All people, because of their natural bent towards sin, 
are naturally heading down the road to hell forever. But there is hope. And this is our third point today, a call for repentance. We've talked a lot about sin and judgment, but there is good news in this. David did not talk about there being two paths, the way of righteousness and the way of the wicked, just to make God's people feel good and the wicked feel guilty. This wisdom psalm should be a call to repentance for Christians. If you've already been forgiven by Christ's blood, don't go back. Don't go back to the things you used to do. This psalm should serve as a reminder of where our old self got us. Jesus, if you're a Christian, Jesus has saved you forever. And praise be to God for that. But don't live in your sin. And if you don't know Christ, I implore you. I hope this psalm shows your need of him. If you don't trust in Christ to pay for your sins, God will hold you accountable for that. And that means eternity in hell. There's hope though. The way of the righteous means delighting in the Lord's instruction. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. There is hope. You don't have to live on your own. You don't have to pay for your own sins. Jesus himself has given you the offer of having your sins paid for. If you don't take that, your sins will not be paid for. You'll have to do it on your own. And the only way that humans pay for their sins is spending eternity in hell. But there is forgiveness. Turn to Christ. You won't be able to pay for these sins yourself. Go to him. Be forgiven. That's it for today's study of Psalm chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. If you haven't already, follow our podcast. Turn on notifications. I encourage you to tell people you know about us. That's one of the best ways you can contribute to our podcast. And I would encourage you to tune back in next time. We're going to be looking at Psalm 2 and looking at a royal psalm. But without further ado, I will see you all next time in our study of Psalm 2.